Hi, my name's Steve, and it's a privilege to be able to join you this morning for Online Church. And I've got a message for you this morning, but I pray as we look at an Old Testament journey, it's going to speak into your 21st century life. So we're heading to the book of Deuteronomy. If you want to follow along this morning, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 1, and we're going to begin uh, verse 2. And as I said, we're looking at this Old Testament journey. Let me just set the context for this moment that Moses is leading the people of Israel and they're on the edge of a promised land. They're about to step into the promise that God has for them. And he's got some words that he wants to share with them. But as we're going to see as we look at this today, they'd spent a lot of time wandering in the wilderness. They spent a lot of time in this kind of no man's land in between God rescuing them out of something and God taking them into something. And I want to speak this message today because it strikes me that that's how it can be for so many Christians today. What I mean by that is they've been rescued out of things by God, but they haven't yet stepped into the fullness that he has for them. So, for example, they're saved, but they're not truly experiencing his joy. They've been rescued from slavery to sin, but they're not actually living in his peace. They're now part of the kingdom of God, but they're still chained to old habits and old behaviors and so on and so on and so on. Now, the Bible has so much to say about who God is and what he has available for you. That God is a God of abundance. God is a God of promise. God is a God of increase. God is a God of undiluted joy and incomparable peace. God is a God who can turn the vilest sinner into the purest saint. He can redeem the most broken of lives. He can restore the most separated of families. All these things are available and all these things are things that God does for the believer but what I want us to see and what I've learned as a follower of Jesus Christ myself, but also pastoring people, is that so often there is a delay between God taking us out of stuff and God taking us into things that he has for us. And that delay can come because of how we are on the journey. And so I want to look at that today. So let's read from Deuteronomy chapter 1. Here are the people of God about to step into their promise, into God's abundance into God's better day. Begin at verse 2. Now it says, Normally it only takes 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, which is on the edge of a promised land, going by the way of Mount Seir. But after 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. So we've gone instantly from an 11-day journey to a 40-year journey. From 11 days to, my calculator tells me, 14,600 days. What is going on in this moment? Now, if you know the account, you'll know that Moses hasn't got the postcode wrong, right? not holding the map upside down. What's happened in this moment is that the Israelites have displayed certain behaviors that have caused this delay. And I want us to just pause for a moment and look at the overall story because I believe it's going to teach us something for our lives today. So let's step back for a moment to Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to begin this journey together. Now in Exodus chapter 3, there's a mo moment where God comes to Moses and gives him a mandate for his life. Remember, Moses, if you know the story, encounters God through the burning bush. And God says to Moses, I'm going to use you to lead the nation of Israel out of slavery and into a better promise that I have for them. Let's pick this up in Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 to 8. God says to him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. 
I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. So God says, Moses, I am going to use your life to take this nation out of slavery, out of captivity, and then take them into the promise that I have for them. And over the next few chapters, indeed the next couple of books in the Bible, we read of that journey until the moment of Numbers chapter 13. And this is a moment where they stand on the edge of a promised land for the very first time. Now, up until that point, so much has happened. We read that he miraculously rescues them from Egypt and you've got the, all the plagues and the Passover lamb and all of that kind of stuff. And then he takes them to the Red Sea. And God miraculously parts the ocean and the Egyptians drown. And you know the story, but so often we can gloss over so much of that. Yet, I wonder when was the last time you saw God do that for you? When was the last time you walked down the seafront and you saw God part the ocean and dry land appear so you could walk from one place to another? They had seen God do the seemingly impossible. And then you read on and God gives them the law that he writes on tablets of stone with his very finger. You, you see the Levite system set up, the, the sacrificial system, the, the tabernacle, the offerings begin. There's loads of great stuff going on. But there's also a lot of ugly moments. But even though the Israelites had seen God do so much, they are always complaining about God and to God. Even though he's provided water for them and, and food to eat, whenever they got slightly hungry, whenever they got slightly thirsty, they began to complain about his provision. They even began to say, we would have been better off back in Egypt where they were in slavery and captivity. Then we have a moment that's recorded where Moses is up on the mountainside receiving instruction from God. And they say he's taking too long. And so, you know, the account, many of you, they have this moment where they set up a golden calf and they worship this object instead of worshiping their God. And yet God, throughout all that time, is faithful to them. And so we come to Numbers chapter 13. This is the first time, not Deuteronomy chapter 1, but this is the first time that they are encamped on the edge of a promised land. Numbers chapter 13. And already this has taken 18 months. So already what should have been an 11-day journey has taken an 18-month hike. Why? Because God was doing something within them on the journey. See, he didn't just want to take them out of slavery and captivity and into immediately the promise he had for them. He wanted to build relationship and character within them on a the journey. Do you know God is doing the same in your life? And God does do and will do the same in your life at various seasons of your existence. The when we go from one place to another in God, when we go from one season to another in God, so often we're desperate to get to that final destination. We're the people of, are we there yet, God? But all the time, God is doing something within us on the journey to his promise and our destination. So here are the Israelites, Numbers chapter 13. Again, you can read the, the whole thing in your own time, but if you know the account, they send up 12 spies. God tells them, a, a spy, each representing the different tribes of Israel. God says, go in and spy out the land that I have given to you. It was a done deal. And 10 negative spies come back and say, oh, it's all doom and gloom. There's no way that we can do this. 
And Joshua and Caleb are the only two that come back and say, no, God has given us this land. We can surely do this. This is what God has promised to us. And unsurprisingly, as is the truth today, they all gravitate towards the negative news that's coming out. And so they go with the 10 negative spies. And let's pick up what the outcome of that is. Numbers 14, 1 to 2. It says, then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, we're saying it again. If only we'd died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. And God responds in this next moment. Numbers 14, 11. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me, even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them? Skip down to verse 22. It says, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They have seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Now turn around and don't go towards the land where the Amalekites and Canaanites live. In other words, don't go into what I had promised for you. Tomorrow you must set out for the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. So God says, you're not going to be able to step into all that I had for you. You now need to do a U-turn and step back to where you have come from. And so having been so close to entering into God's promise, a whole generation of the Israelites miss out. And so here we go, full circle. A whole generation has died off. And that brings us to 40 or so years later, with the Israelites having wandered in the wilderness, walking around in this nomadic land, a whole generation died off. And here we find ourselves where we were at the beginning in Deuteronomy chapter one. And Moses about to share his message as the nation of Israel step into the promised land. Now, you may say, well, what was the point of that history lesson? Why did I just turn on online church this morning just to hear all that about the Israelites? What has that got to do with me today? Well, I'm glad you asked the question because in the book of Corinthians, Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. He writes this about the very people that we've been speaking of, the Israelites. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, he writes, These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. So Paul's essentially saying we've got to learn from the mistakes of previous generations. And this is recorded for us to still read in 2022 so that we don't still make the same mistakes that the Israelites made thousands of years before. Because the truth remains today. God has promised for you. I don't know where you're watching this from. I don't know what you're going through in your life right now. But God has promised for you. It may not be a, a physical promised land like it was for the Israelites. But God has promised for you. God offers hope. God has a better place than where you currently find yourself in life. And that doesn't mean that life will always be easy. That doesn't mean that life will be without trial. In fact, Jesus said the opposite will often be true. But there is a reality that God has greatness and blessings awaiting us. See, in what we just read in this moment, 
God took a nation out of slavery and captivity and brought them eventually into his promise. In your life, if you're a born-again believer, God has rescued you out of slavery and captivity to sin and condemnation through the person of Jesus Christ. But he doesn't just want to leave you there. He now wants you to live in the abundance and the grace that he has for you. He wants you not only set free from sin, but ruling and reigning in life through the one Christ Jesus. And so I believe that this is relevant to us today. God not only wants you set free, but he wants you walking in his power and living in his purpose. Yet, as I said at the beginning, the sad truth is that so many Christians have been set free, but they're not living in the promise. They're wandering like spiritual nomads. They're walking around in the wilderness, in this no man's land. My challenge to you is don't let that be you today. Because maybe for some of you, you look around at other believers and it seems like they've got it all together. You look and their marriage is so solid, their understanding of their identity in Christ is so secure. They seem to be living with the peace and the joy of God. They seem to be understanding his purpose for their days. And yet, not you. You feel like you're just wandering around in the wilderness. And so my challenge for you, what maybe is causing your wilderness wandering? And what are you going to do about it? What is maybe causing your wilderness wandering and what are you going to do about it? See, for the Israelites, it was clear it was disobedience and unbelief. For us, it can be those things, but also other things as well. For some watching this morning, it may be procrastination. That you are walking in a spiritual nomadic experience because of procrastination in your life. I reckon that too many people live in this land that I speak of sometimes called one day when, that we talk about our future and all that God's going to do in our lives. And we say, one day when I'm less busy, one day when life calms down a little bit, one day when I've got my act together, one day when I'm good enough, whatever that even means, then I'll inherit everything that God has for me and I'll walk in the purposes of God for my life. One day I'll take that step of faith. One day I'll start to get some help for this addiction or this thing that's holding me back. One day, I'll connect with God and other people. One day, I'll step into what I know God is calling me and asking me to do. One day when. And so we see the potential and the promise of the life God has for us. We've almost spied out the promised land of what life and existence could be like. But because of procrastination, we're not stepping into the promise that God has for our life. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4 in the Living Bible says this, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. I believe today God wants to call an end to procrastination. So let me ask you another question. What's that one thing you're delaying? And what's the excuse that you're giving? What is it that you're delaying in your spiritual walk? What's the excuse that you keep coming up with time and time again as to why you can't step into God's promise for your life? Because if you don't do anything, you will always be wandering. For other people, it is sin. We talked about the disobedience of the Israelites. For some, you're in this nomadic experience in your spiritual walk because of sin. Hebrews 12, 11, sorry, Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
Listen, you will never step into the fulfillment of God's promise for your life all the time that you are entangled by sin. All the time that you are chained by different things, chained by jealousy or addiction or lust or lying or whatever it might be. Listen, God's forgiveness and God's power can break that chain upon your life today. But you can run with freedom into everything that God has for you. Now that may mean that you have to reach out and ask for help, accountability. That may mean you have to make some changes. That may mean, in fact, it most certainly will mean you have to die to self. But if you don't do anything, you will forever be entangled in that sin that is stopping you from reaching into the promise that God has for your life. For other people, it's their past. They're continually looking back, looking back at their slavery, looking back at their captivity. And you will never step into the promise of God for your life if you're continually looking back at the mistakes that you made, the regrets that you carry, the hurt that you caused to others or others caused to you. But for others, you may say, but Steve, the things that I'm looking back at, they're good things. God was really working in my life. Those, those were the good old days. What's wrong with that? Surely looking back and celebrating the good old days doesn't stop me from stepping into God's next for my life. Well, listen to what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 10. It's pretty blunt. It says, don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. So if we're forever looking back and saying those were the good old days, that's when God was working in my life. Then the Bible says we're not walking in wisdom because God has a future. And God, whatever he's done in the past, is going to do even greater things in your future. For other people, again, like the Israelites, it's unbelief. You're just not sure that your God is that good. That he could take somebody as broken and messed up and unqualified as you as you see it and do something amazing in and with their life. You're convinced that you can never really live in the fullness and the promises of God for your life because you're somehow disqualified from running the race. So you see others living in their promised land. You see others living in the fulfillment of all that God has for them, but not you. You're just walking around in the wilderness. See, isn't it funny that the Israelites had seen God do so much? They'd seen him rescue them from slavery and captivity. They'd seen him part the Red Sea. They'd seen him provide water and, and food. They'd seen him guide them through fire and a cloud, all these things that were taking place. And yet they didn't believe that he could fulfill his promise of a land flowing with milk and honey. Unbelief will cost us. Doubt will cost us and prevent us from inheriting and stepping into the promise of God for our life. The Bible instructs us very clearly as new creations. We're to walk by faith and not by sight, to walk according to God's promises and what, not what we see in the natural. So what is that step of faith you need to take? What do you need to believe God for that is way beyond what you could do in the natural and what you could see in the natural, because if you keep doubting, let me tell you, you will keep wandering, walking around thinking, what could be in my life? And finally, for some, it's attitudes. You say, well, what do you mean by attitudes? What attitudes are preventing me from inheriting the promise of God for my life? Today, I believe some of you watching may be missing out on God's potential and God's best for you, and you may not be living in the fulfillment of all that God has promised for you because of attitudes, unforgiveness, offense, 
anger, jealousy, all these things that the enemy again tries to entangle us with, all these things that cloud us from receiving God's best. Matthew 24 verse 10 says this, And then many will be offended. Many will betray one another and will hate one another. When we allow ourselves to be offended, when we don't deal with it, when we allow it to become hatred and all those kind of things, that will cost us time on the journey to the promise God has for us. And offense can happen anywhere. Offense could be happening right now in your marriage, in your friendships. It could happen in the business and workplace setting. It could happen in the place of church, even on online church. You could find yourself in a place of offense. And if you are walking in the offense, if you have a seed of offense in your heart today and you do not deal with that, let me tell you, it will turn into a harvest in your life that could cost you not days, but years. And if we remain offended and if we refuse to forgive, what should only take a season may end up costing us a lifetime. So what are we going to do? Because we have a choice. Listen, God in the person of Jesus Christ has done everything that he needs to do. The rest is on our game now. What are we choosing to do? Will we step into the abundance and the promise God has for us? Or will we keep wandering? Now, if we want to inherit the promise, it will require an attitude change or an action change from us. The reality is, looking at this account today, that nearly all of those who started out on what should have been just an 11-day journey didn't inherit the promise of God for their lives. They were set free, but they never stepped into the real promise. Listen, you only get one life. I want to encourage you today, online church, don't settle just for your salvation. Now, don't mishear me. Salvation is amazing in itself. All that we've inherited and received through the grace and the goodness of God. Don't underplay your salvation and what we've been saved from. But God doesn't want you to just settle there. God doesn't want you to just be set free. He wants you to walk in the fullness and the promise that he has for your life. Don't keep walking in a spiritual nomadic experience because you procrastinated, because of sin, because you kept looking to your past, because of unbelief, because you let offense get a hold of you and you refused to forgive because a generation never made it. But imagine what it must have been like for Joshua and Caleb as they had that moment of walking around the promised land, having received all that God had for them. What action today, as I've been speaking, as the Holy Spirit may be prompting you with, to begin to think about and look at in this coming week, that as you choose to take that action with the Holy Spirit's help and empowerment, that you can inherit every promise that God has for your life. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that these things were written down for us to learn from and to understand your ways. Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person watching this live this morning or maybe catching up with this later on as they're listening to this, that Holy Spirit, I thank you that you will add to the natural words that I have spoken and that there will be spiritual decisions and commitments made today that will change people's future. 
Father, we call time on just walking around in a spiritual nomadic experience. Father, we want to thank you for all that you have set us free from through your son, Jesus Christ. All that we've been rescued from, all that we've been stepping away from, the bondages that were upon our lives. But Lord, we want to also now step into the promise and the fulfillment of everything that you have spoken and brought into existence for us to receive as new creations. Father, I speak blessing upon every single person watching today. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.